0: Thanks guys. It's pretty cool to have all the kids in today, isn't it? It's a bit mental. Um, uh, Please just don't don't worry if the kids are running around in the back doing their thing. They did a great job um, and and we're just pleased that they're part of our family. Um, If you're new to to Village throughout Advent, we're working our way through the book of Ruth. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bible to Ruth chapter 3, that's where we're going to be camped out today. Um, If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have some on the table at the back just beside the coffee desk please take one and take it home and read it. Uh, everything we do is based on the truth that the Bible gives us, and, and we believe that the, the, the words of the Bible are the words of life and are the very words of God, and so we just love you to take a Bible and have that and take it home with you. Um, just a bit of a recap then. This, the book of Ruth is the story of a woman, as you might have guessed, called Ruth. Um, her mother-in-law is this other woman called Naomi, and now we've just met this third character called Boaz. Um, Naomi and Ruth are both widows. They've, they've, Naomi has lost her husband and her two sons. Now, uh, Ruth has lost her hu- uh, her husband, and they are in need. Uh, they have no money. They have no prospects. Naomi, uh, Ruth is, is living in, in the homeland of, of her mother-in-law, Naomi, where she is an outsider, where she's a foreigner, and, and things are pretty desperate for them. They need a redeemer. That means that they need somebody who can just come and help them out, someone who can provide for them uh, and offer their family and offer them protection, uh, offer them uh, offer them uh, an inheritance and offer them security. And last week we saw that Ruth went out to the field to glean. That, that is that she went out to gather up the left of her barley. And God guided her so that she ended up in Boaz's field. And we saw last week that Boaz is a good man. He, he's wealthy, he's generous, and, and most importantly, he loves the Lord. He has this incredible faith. And when he encounters Ruth, this foreigner, really someone who should be his enemy, he's extremely generous to her, and he gives her enough food to last for for weeks, and he offers her protection as she continues to come back every day for the rest of the harvest and glean for leftovers. And when Ruth reports back to Naomi, her mother-in-law, we get a hint then at the end of chapter two that there's something more going on than just the kindness of a stranger, Naomi reveals that Boaz is their redeemer. He is the relative who is responsible for making sure that the family is okay. You see, according to the Old Testament law, God's law, a, a dead man's relative, usually his brother, would marry the widow, providing for her, and also uh, leading to children who would inherit the, the dead man's uh, property and inheritance. He would essentially provide for the family. He provided provide them a future and a, a legacy and inheritance. Now, this was an expensive thing for the Redeemer to do, and it didn't add anything to the Redeemer. This was a completely sacrificial thing to do, and so it shouldn't surprise us at all that, that, that at certain times, uh, men would try to, to, to wrangle their way out of it. They wouldn't take up their, their, um, their redemptive duties, as we'll see in Ruth chapter 4. And this is where we're picking up our story this morning. <laughs> Ruth and Naomi, they might, they just might have found their Redeemer in Boaz. And here's what we're going to see this morning. Uh, We're going to see, and this is our big idea, that when we trust that God is at work in us and we desire to live for His glory, we can step out boldly in faith. Let me say that again. If you're taking notes, write this down. When we trust that God is at work in us and desire to live for His glory, we can step out boldly in faith. So let's read Ruth chapter 3 together. Uh, Just follow along if if you have your Bible open. It begins in verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughters, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? What's happening here is that Naomi has got a glimpse that, that Boaz may be their redeemer. He, he's someone who's supposed to take up this position, and so she's trying to rush along God's plan. She's not waiting for God's timing. She's, she's, stepping, she's stepping out boldly, yes, but it seems like she may be trying to, to push things a little bit. And, then, and as a result, she's putting her daughter-in-law, Ruth, in a very vulnerable position Indeed. And so we go on. Verse 6. So she went down, that's Ruth went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Okay, let me pause there again for a second. What was happening was the harvest is over. They've gathered in all the stalks of barley. Now they have to separate the grain from the stalks. And this is this uh, process called uh, threshing. And they would sleep down there until that was all done. It was a bit of a celebration as well because the harvest is over. And they would sleep uh, near the piles of grain uh, in, in case anyone would come and steal from their from their hard work. And so we continue on in verse 7. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over. And, uh, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings and now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another. That means that, they, that they, uh, she, she got up before it was, there was enough daylight that people could see each other. And he said, let let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring your garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law and said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, wait, my daughter until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, maybe after reading that or hearing that read, you're thinking to yourself, what on earth is going on here? Well, can I just encourage you that you're not alone? Chapter 3 is the most complex and confusing part of the Ruth story. Scholars have argued and wrestled over just what's happening when Ruth goes secretly to Boaz and uncovers his feet and lies down with him. Now, some would try to say that something sexually inappropriate is is going on here, but other people don't see it that way, and, and I don't think that's what's going on here at all. But, but whatever we think, one important thing that we can learn from this nighttime encounter is that for Ruth and Naomi, faith in God is not a passive theoretical concept. They, the God they trust is real, alive, and actively redeeming. And so Naomi and Ruth are willing not just to think in faith, but to walk in faith. And the way Ruth goes to Boaz points to this kind of active faith Now, it may look like a bold move on her part, but that's because when we trust what God is doing, we can step out in boldness. Jared Wilson, one of my teachers on this passage this week, says, bold actions result when faithful people believe in the redemptive purposes of God. In other words, when we believe that God is actively working to redeem our lives, we can step out boldly, we can do bold things. This is what it means to join God in the renewal of all things. We can join God in the work that, that we know and trust that He is doing. And Boaz had bold faith too. He was an honorable man of God. And because of his faith, he was bold about taking part in God's justice and redemption in the world around him. We touched on this last week, didn't we? we but but. Uh, we see this in the way that he, he conducts his business. We see this in the way he, he cares for the poor. Uh, and this week, we see this in the way he responds to Ruth, this young, vulnerable woman who comes to him in the middle of the night, in the dark, to ask for his covering. You see, it might look a bit dodgy, but, but Ruth and Boaz aren't looking for a fling. They're both looking to create a family history. They want a legacy and to do it honorably. And so Ruth appeals to Boaz's position as the redeemer of the family. But it looks as though Naomi doesn't know the family tree as well as she thought, because there's another guy who's one place uh, ahead of Boaz in the line, right? There's one guy who's uh, closer to being the redeemer than Boaz that Naomi obviously didn't know about, or maybe she did, did know about and didn't want to wait. So he says to her, Boaz says to Ruth, Look, look, stay tonight, and in the morning, if, if this guy will redeem you, then, then, then let's do that. Go with him. But if he is not willing, verse 13, to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. What's Boaz really saying here? Well, first he's saying that his plan to redeem Ruth is as sure as there is a God in heaven. Well, will you redeem me, Ruth asks, and Boaz says, "As God lives, I will." There's no doubt about it. As surely as God exists, so will Boaz's commitment and obedience and faith to Him. And secondly, and more deeply, and more importantly, I think Boaz is saying that he is going to do to redeem Ruth because God lives. You see, Boaz is the kind of man who does things because God exists. So, does God exist? Well, hopefully you should answer yes to that if you're Christian this morning. But, but, but if, if you answer yes to that, then our lives have to be different. I should live my life as if God exists. And what if we applied this standard to our motivations and how we went about our lives? What would our lives look like if we really believed that the Lord lives? Would it change our outlook on the conflict we, we, we face or, or we find ourselves in? Would it change how we handle our money or our relationships? Listen, if we knew there was a God who, was, who not only put, planned these circumstances that come our way, but also holds us to this standard of holiness to give glory to Him, no matter what stage or season of life we're going through, would it change how we live? Would it change how our attitude? Can you look at your life and say, I live this way because God is alive. Both Boaz, Ruth and Boaz show this incredible faith, this loyal faith, even when they don't know how things will work out for them. Ruth moves Naomi. Ruth moves forward to, to act on Naomi's plan, not putting her own needs first, but the needs of Naomi, and by extension, the family honor. She's not simply looking for a, a good-looking guy to marry. She's looking for a protector. She's looking for a leader. She's looking for, for someone who can extend the family name, but she's looking for someone who can extend the name of God. And think of the way that Boaz shows real love for Ruth. He could easily have taken advantage of her, couldn't he? He could, he could have responded to her coming to the threshing floor and gone after some moment of, of of, of cheap pleasure, but he doesn't. I, it's funny because the kids are in this morning. I, had to, I was saying to the Lord, I was like, this is the kind of stuff I have to talk about, but I have to talk about this stuff without mentioning certain words because the kids are here, so I have to say it in a word that the, the kids don't understand. But you all know what I mean when I say a cheap moment of pleasure, right? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> if you don't, you should probably <laughs> go and sit with the kids at the back. <laughs> Boaz doesn't behave this way. He trusts God. He shows Ruth the real love, the kind of love that that looks to the good of the whole person and the kind of romance that nurtures a whole life together, not a quick fling or affair. See, uh, Ruth and Boaz aren't married yet. Spoiler alert, they're going to get married next week. We're going to hear that next week. But, but even though they're not married yet, they're already building their life op- 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 upon a reality deeper than just rom- romance and just feelings. They're building their future on the reality of God. What if we actually believed that the God who has appointed us for specific trials and tribulations and, and just difficult things in our lives... What if we believe that that God who appoints those things to us also loves us deeply with a love that can never be taken away from us? How would that impact our decisions making, right? I find the situation hopeless. I find myself, I, I don't know how I got here, and I don't know how to get out of this, and I'm scared, and I'm lonely, and I'm tired. But I know that God not only put me here, but that He loves me deeply. It's interesting when Boaz says, as the Lord lives. In the Hebrew, he used the name of God. He says, as Yahweh lives. See, Boaz is committing to redeem Ruth, not because a God lives, but because his God lives, because this God lives, because Yahweh lives, because our God lives. This means that he's going to redeem her in the Lord's way and for the Lord's purposes. According to the Lord's glory, he's going to make that name great. He lives to make the name of God great. And that's why he's going to be faithful in his commitment to Ruth. See, Ruth's redemption is not only, uh, it's not only or, or for her glory. Or, it's, it's not for to redeem Naomi or, or Elimelech or, or Boaz. It's for God's glory first and foremost. And there's no way that, there's no way that, that Ruth and Boaz could have known this at the time. I, I don't think... Maybe they did. I I don't think there's any way they could have known at the time. This faith, this commitment faith, this said, this steadfast love that they show for one another would result in marriage and then a child and then another child and then another child and then many other children until the birth of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus the King who, who died and rose again to accomplish God's most glorious work of all. Because of the faith and boldness of Ruth, first in coming to Bethlehem and now in Boaz too, we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. And my point is this. There's no way that we can always ever know the ins and outs of the effects of our faithfulness to God. But but when we are faithful to God, the effects are far greater than we could ever imagine. Let me just tell you that. And I promise you this, when we live in bold faith, trusting in God every step of the way, we can be sure that our Redeemer will come and complete His good work in us. He will cover our shame. He will fill us with His blessings, and He will turn us into people who love like He loves. Boaz is, is committed to trust in the Lord's time and in his ways, and, and as he does this, he reflects the character of God. Uh, we've seen already that Ruth has, has been a type of Jesus, has been a foreshadowing of Jesus, and now Boaz, too, he, he's a type of Christ. He tells us what Jesus is like. He shows us what Jesus is like. So, firstly, he protects Ruth's reputation. He He had enough food and drink that night to be glad, to be merry in his heart. But he wasn't drunk, and we know that because he he wasn't uninhibited. He didn't lose control. He didn't compromise integrity. He didn't disrespect Ruth. And in the morning, in order to protect Ruth, he gets her to leave before anyone would know that she had been there, just in case anyone would have seen her and thought the wrong thing, cast aspersions, and started rumors. And how does this remind us of Jesus? Well, think of all the times that Jesus encountered vulnerable women with dodgy backgrounds. The Samaritan woman at the well. The woman with the alabaster jar. In every case, Jesus upheld their dignity, not seeking to exploit their shame, but to cover it. Boaz is not worried about his reputation. You see, he's one of the most powerful guys in the village. He could do whatever he wanted, and he was a man. He could do whatever he wanted, with whoever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and no one would bat an eyelid. He could have taken advantage of Ruth in that threshing floor that night, and no one even cared. She was a foreigner. She was a woman. She was at the bottom rung of society, and he was at the top rung of society almost. But Boaz fears God. He's a man who does things because God lives. And this means that he makes sure that Ruth suffers no shame. Just as Christ takes away our shame and covers us by his sacrifice so that the pure image of God in us becomes our reputation. Imagine that for a second. All your background, all your sin, all the things you hate about yourself, Jesus covers them up. And so that the image of God in us becomes a thing that we're known for. Imagine that. Wow. Secondly, then, we see that, that while Boaz intends to send Ruth home without being noticed, he doesn't want to send her home empty-handed. And he says, well, listen, bring your garment that you're wearing and hold it out. Maybe he held her, you know, held her shawl out like this or something, and, and he puts six measures of barley, and then she, she takes it back home. But Boaz didn't owe Ruth that, right? He didn't owe her anything. He's already treated her far more kindly than he was in, obliged to by the law. He's already commanded his workers to look after her. And now he continues to to pour out from his riches, from his abundance, into her needy state. And what we see that Boaz is exceedingly generous and takes every opportunity to provide. And isn't Jesus like this? When he feeds the 5,000 there's still 12 baskets left over. When he feeds the 4,000, there's seven baskets left over. When he fills your cup, it runs over. When he gives you affection, he lavishes it. When he pours out his grace, it's grace upon grace, John chapter 1 tells us. There's always enough of Jesus to be had, and yet always more of him still to have. This is what Jared Wilson says. There's always enough of Jesus to be had, and yet always more of him still to have. Joel 2, 26 says, You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of your, the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people will, shall never again be put to shame. And I think Jesus, who gives living water that eternally uh, satisfies our thirst, who is himself the bread of life, that eternally satisfies our hunger. See, when you come to Jesus with the empty hand of faith, he will not send you away without a gift. Ephesians 1, verses 6 to 8 say this, To the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Okay, firstly, in His grace He has blessed us in the Beloved. That's Jesus. He has blessed us in Christ. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Okay, we have redemption. He's bought us out of slavery. He's rescued us from our needy estate. He's providing for us an inheritance. All those connotations in the Old Testament redemption are why this is used of Jesus. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. God doesn't just share His grace. He doesn't just show us love now and again. In Jesus, God lavishes, lavishes us with His love. He gives to us according to His riches. And so, just like Ruth, we come to the feet of our true and better Boaz. We come to the feet of Jesus in humility and vulnerability, with empty hands, and we ask Him to cover our shame with His wings, with the wings of His salvation. And the Christ of glory doesn't simply cover us, He crowns us. He puts us in the place of honor. Thirdly, third picture of Jesus. And we're nearly done. Boaz finishes the job. They have, Naomi has this confidence in Boaz, doesn't she? Last verse. The man will not rest but will settle the matter today. He's a man of his word. He's someone who follows through. He, uh, he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure Ruth and Naomi are secure and provided for so they can finally, and perhaps for the excuse me, for the first time in their lives, find rest, shalom, peace, wholeness. And isn't this like Jesus? Jesus completes His work. Jesus follows through. (laughs) I love this, you know, um, in Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph lose Jesus, right? Firstly, that's a bit of a nightmare. Wow, we've just lost the Son of God. (laughs) And secondly, secondly, I think being the parent of Jesus would be pretty hard, right? Because he's Jesus, and he's God, and you're his parent. Anyway, uh, they lose him, and they go down to the temple, and they find him there, and he's schooling a bunch of people. Uh, and if he, so he says he, said, he says to them, Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Even as a child, he's like, I've got one purpose to be here, guys. Come on. I'll tidy my room later. Right now, I'm about my father's business. And John, in John chapter 6, Jesus says, this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should, lose, I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. You know what that means? That means that nothing and nobody slips through the cracks. Jesus misses nothing. He forgets nobody. He's able to save to the uttermost, to those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make an intercession for us. Hebrews 7. You know what that means? It means that Jesus is still at work. Jesus will not rest until His work in you is complete. Jesus' birth and life and death and resurrection and ascension and glorification had one purpose and one purpose only, to glorify God the Father by raising His children from death to life. Amen? Jesus completes His work. Jesus has finished the job of atonement, and He sent the Holy Spirit to apply it to us. will not rest until all God's work is finished in you. So let me tell you this. If you feel like a failure if you feel not worthy at all, if you feel not worthy of His love, if you feel like a bad Christian, maybe you need to hear this today. In fact, you do need to hear this today. Jesus will not rest until He has completed His work in you. Jesus won't rest until His work in you is done. When Ruth gets home, Naomi asks, well, you know, how did things, uh, how did things go? You know, what's, what's shaking like? Is, it gonna, is it, my plan going to work out? And they trust Boaz. They just end up going, well, let's see. Boaz will settle today. We'll see. <laughs> and we're left in this cliffhanger, aren't we, until next week? But our encouragement then is just to trust in our Almighty King Jesus to to just graciously restore our dignity, to abundantly provide for our needs, and eternally perfect the work that He's already begun in us. Uh, uh, Jared Wilson, last quote. Jared Wilson, I, I promise. Jesus perfectly takes care of His business, and you are His business. Jesus perfectly takes care of His business, and you are His business. He won't leave you. He won't let you down. He's going to finish his work in you and so because of that because we believe and trust in that redemptive work we can step out boldly in faith guys we can join in the renewal of all things because we know that god is about his redeeming work in the world we can step out boldly in faith in our own lives because we know don't we we know we know that jesus is redeeming our lives that that he will not stop until his work in us is done and so we can boldly Step out in faith. This idea of redemption is what Advent is all about. The coming of our Redeemer, that tiny baby lying in a manger, was the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he came to redeem you. He came to buy you out of slavery. He came to, to purchase you as his bride. He came to provide for you an inheritance. He came to put an end to your suffering. He came so that you could have life. He came to be your joy. Let's pray.